episode 18 of the Board Game Geek podcast, where we geek out about board games, the mechanisms behind them, and the people who create them. I'm your host, Candace Harris, and I'm here today with one of the people who create them, Isaac Vega, who is the designer of a bunch of awesome games such as Dead of Winter, Ashes Reborn, and Forgotten Waters, and also runs a publishing company, Rose Gauntlet Entertainment. How's it going today, Isaac? Oh, it's going great, Candace. Thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, what's new in your world? Oh, what's new? Um, you know what? It's just an it's getting ready for this wonderful summer that is full of so many events <laughs> and cra- <laughs> craziness and travels. Um, the next thing I'm traveling to is actually my co-owner Lindsay Rhodes' wedding. So and I'm in the wedding too. Oh, so nice. it's just like so I'm very excited for her. I'm very excited to be a part of it and to be celebrating with all my friends, which is great. So that's that's something I'm definitely looking forward to. That's awesome. Yeah, it is. We are about to hit convention season where it's going to get kind of kind of wild in the board game world. It's exciting, yes. but it's going to be <laughs> very busy. <laughs> yes, I've already been through two in the last uh, like month. So, <laughs> so <laughs> now some more lined up, of course. <laughs> well, Awesome. So um, considering Isaac has worn many hats in the gaming industry and has worked on art direction for board games, we figured it'd be cool to discuss board game art together. So today we're going to discuss some board games with iconic box cover art. Yes, I'm super (laughs) excited about that. Like box covers are something that I've given a lot of thought to throughout my career. (laughs) So I have plenty to say on the subject. Yeah, and I mean, there's there's so many games that I have, um, and every time I see the cover, I'm like, oh, I would love to just hang that on my wall, and maybe I should, but, um, you know, I have them on my shelf for now, but um, yeah, it's cool to like just think about, like, there's so many of them out there. Of course, we're only going to be talking about, about five each, um, right. but there are... A lot of them that we yes, it was it was it was so hard to narrow down. So I was just like, okay, I have to stick it to stuff that I've played somewhat (laughs) recently that I have probably my collection. So I'm I'm excited to talk about those. Cool, cool. But before we start talking about iconic board game cover art, I'd love to hear what you've been playing lately, Isaac. So let's jump into fresh plays. So besides, like, everyone else playing Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. (laughs) Yeah, for real, for real. Let me actually stick to the hobby that we're talking about. (laughs) So uh, the game that has been sitting on my mind since I played it has been Brindlewood Bay, which is an RPG. I don't know if you've heard about it. Have you heard about it? No, I have not heard about it. All right. So in this game, you are taking on the role of old ladies who are all friends <laughs> i love <laughs> think, this already <laughs> think murder she wrote but also with a touch of cthulhu <laughs> Ooh, wow so interesting <laughs> so the setup is is that you're all trying to figure out this mystery and you're and you 
typically it, we only did a one shot, but typically you're supposed to play over the course of a couple, couple um, uh, scenarios and campaigns. Gotcha. Uh, and it gets deeper and deeper to that Cthulhu side of things. But you start off pretty innocent. You're all friends. You're all kooky old ladies that have their own <laughs> uh, own little quirks and their own history. Uh, you all have, may or may not have a deceased husband. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, you're all trying to solve different mysteries. So we started off in our scenario that we were actually on a version of the great British bake off. (laughs) (laughs) We were all competitor. We were all uh, competing in the show, but we're all friends. Okay. And uh, we also, we also had to find out who killed Paul Hollywood. (laughs) 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 So it goes through a whole bunch of different antics. I played a character who was just quite, um, she was, she was kind of, Good old country <laughs> old lady. Uh, she's just out there trying to trying to uh, make sure that her friends don't get killed by whatever spirits she's feeling. Lately. Oh, gotcha! Wow, that sounds wild. <laughs> it was so much fun. It was such an enjoyable uh, time, and I love these kind of like RPGs that have been popping up that are doing these kind of like very specific tailored experiences that we all kind of have some sort of some sort of reference point and can understand. Um, so it was just such a wonderful, memorable experience. And I highly suggest people go check it out because it's, it's amazing. And that was Brindlewood Bay. Brindlewood Bay. Wow. That sounds really cool. And I'm actually glad that you are mentioning an RPG because that is, I, I pretty much consider myself an Omni gamer because I like so many different types of games, but mm-hmm. I, I feel so um, like, RPGs are so foreign to me still. Like it's something I haven't explored much. I did a one shot of uh Dread, I think it's called, where you use Jenga oh, blocks. Great. Yeah. Yes. And I had it was so fun. And it like I ended up buying an RPG book, I think called like Band of Brothers, which oh, sounded nice. Yes, but I, I haven't read it yet. <laughs> but oh, I'm, I'm like, the same. I have like so many art, little <laughs> RPGs that I haven't read yet. <laughs> Yeah, but I'm I'm definitely like curious to kind of explore that world more and try some of them um, at some I'm point. Ve- I'm very much in the same place. Uh, Lindsay, uh, my co-owner at Rose Gauntlet, uh, she she has far more experience in the RPG side of the world, and um, I just I just like have been diving in. I like played Fiasco a bit when I started getting into gaming okay. and that was really fun for me, but that was really like my only experience around like a couple D and D campaigns or things like that, that I jumped in uh, just as one shots and stuff like that. But I've never d- uh, d- uh, dove in as much as I have this year and oh, I've been cool. really loving it. So I highly cool. suggest exploring that side of the industry for sure. That's awesome. And I'll be kind of curious to see how that influences like your game designs going forward too. Yeah, I'm excited about it because a lot of the stuff that I've done in the past has been very story driven. Sure, yeah. Um, and I like enjoy making worlds, but it's so interesting to like approach a game knowing that the players are going to completely craft their own story yeah. and craft their own experience out of it. And how do you approach like making sure you're giving them the right prompts right. in order to make sure that they have as best of a time as possible. And it's been really cool to explore how other people have been able to solve that issue. That's so cool. Yeah. And as an aside, I did just watch the uh, Dungeons and Dragons movie, uh, Honor Among Thieves. I haven't Thieves. seen it yet. Oh. Ugh. I thought it was great. It was so good. I thought yeah, it was I've heard great. a lot of good things. 
Yeah, I've never I've never played D and D, and I kind of just went in with like no expectation whatsoever. And it was like if you like like fantasy kind of adventure movies, it was really really good. I thought the cinematography was incredible. The acting was great. You know, it was funny. You know, it had it had everything. I yeah, I really liked it. So yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely suggest you to check checking it out. It out. So I recently played, um, very far away from the RPG world, um, <laughs> Undaunted Battle of Britain. And wow. this is, yeah, this is, I think it's coming out in next month in June 2023. But it's the latest standalone game in the Undaunted series, uh, which is designed by David Thompson and Trevor Benjamin, published by Osprey Games. And it's a two-player game where all the Undaunted games are deck-building games that are also World War II, like, war games. Like, it's like a mm -hmm. hybrid, a really cool hybrid. And unlike previous games in the series, this one is all about aerial combat and dogfighting, which is kind of, it adds, like, a fresh new twist to the game. So uh, one player plays as Britain's RAF forces, and the other controls the German Luftwaffe forces. And it has the same core system as Undaunted. So you're going to be playing cards to manipulate your forces on the board. And the, the board's a modular board that's set up differently depending on what scenario you're playing. So, you mm -hmm. know, each, each standalone game of Undaunted has, I don't know, about 10 or so different scenarios which you can play that wow, all nice. have their own like modular board setups and they have their own like victory conditions. And you can play them each each scenario standalone, or you can play it straight through, like scenario one through ten, as a campaign with someone. And um, they're super cool. Each player will have their own deck of cards that they start with, and each round you like draw a hand of four cards. And after you draw your four cards, you have like one of the hardest decisions in the game. And there's there's a bid for initiative. So you have four cards in your hand, and you have to pick one and you're going to put it face down and both players then reveal them simultaneously and whoever has the highest initiative bid gets to go first and sometimes nice. it's like it's everything to go first but right. like but like the card that you're bidding with is going to get discarded so you're not going to be able to use it for your turn so then you're like stuck with whatever the other three cards are so it's like if you burn a high card you're losing a strong card that you could use on your turn. Yeah, so you really have to hold back for the right moment yes. in order to strike with the high card. Yeah, I love it. I love it when games give you that, but actually do the job of what it, what it's intended to do. Of just like, yes, I need to go first <laughs> in this situation. Yeah, yeah, but then you're not guaranteed because if you tie, whoever had the initiative keeps the initiative. Oh, ouch. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So it's it's always a it's always like a really tough decision. But again, in Battle of Britain, there it's all about aerial combat. So you're commanding pilots and the board is different. So in the previous Undaunted games, you have these these tiles, these square tiles that you put out to make up the board. Mm -hmm. Um but with this one, you have these hex tiles. Like each tile is a group of hexes. And you're moving these counters on the board, but the direction they're going matters. So number yeah. one, your plane has to keep moving, right? Because it's an airplane. Right. So whenever you command one of your aircraft, you have to move it. But you could also do an action like you could attack 
or you could maneuver, which will let you change the direction it's facing. Mm. So it's like you have all these fresh decisions with what direction your aircraft is facing. Also, each aircraft has like firing lines. So right. if you want to attack and you have a plane that maybe only fires straight forward, you have to make sure you move and then maneuver to point yourself in the direction of who you want to attack. But yeah, it's really, it's really, really cool. The other thing is each aircraft kind of like comes as a pair. It's called a section, a section of aircraft. And Ooh. if they are ever more than one hex apart from each other, they're out of communication. So <laughs> yeah. That's so, interesting. Yeah. And when they're out of communication, certain card actions you try to play will either make you draw, draw these like deck, add these deck cloggers called, uh, I think they're called discord cards, um, which in the old Undaunted games, it was fog of war cards, but they're mm -hmm. deck cloggers pretty much. Yeah. They, the, the only thing you could do with them is bid for initiative, but you'll either have to take one of those if you take an action with your, um, your aircraft are out of communication or there's some actions you can't even take if they're an, out of communication. What an interesting way to add that theming into yeah. the game. Um, there's there's not really many games I've ever seen that have, besides actual games where you physically can't communicate with each other, yeah. uh, that add that theming into the game. So it's it's a really cool thing to play around with. So that's neat. I, should, yeah. I really want to check that out. I, I found it to be like really neat and very like thematic. And also it just like, I feel like this, um, this version of Undaunted, just like that twist of like your aircraft have to move, you have to maneuver them. They have these firing lines. It just like, it's such a fresh, interesting twist. But again, the game still feels like Undaunted. Like you're, right. it, if you've already played an Undaunted game, it's not going to be that hard to like, just get into this, you know? And yeah, I really just love how this series has evolved. Um, have you played any of these before? I haven't played any of the Undaunted games, okay. but now I really want to because yeah. of the way that you're you're describing it. It's interesting how far they go in. I've never been like super attracted to like stuff that's historic. Okay, gotcha. um, yeah, but sure. like I, it, some of the some of the games have so many in innovative like mechanics based on trying to represent the theming yeah. so interestingly. So it's just like. Such a cool way. Like Academy Games did a few different series um, oh, on that yes. that I've tried out in the past as well. Like 1775 Rebellion and uh, yeah, they, yeah, they're doing a lot of really cool stuff too. That's like kind of very accessible. Um, mm -hmm. At least one of one of their series is, but yeah, I'm just, I'm a, I'm a real big fan of the Undaunted series. Cause number one, I love deck building. Um, yeah, again, the games amazing. are very accessible. Like you can kind of get into them with anybody and then also, again, there are a variety of scenarios in each game. So it like never gets boring. It has great art. And like most importantly, the gameplay is so tense. Like it's such a tense nice. feeling two player game. Whether you've tried the Undaunted series yet or not, um, Undaunted Battle of Britain is great. And it, I love how this like series keeps evolving and they keep doing, you know, adding these little fresh twists to it. I don't know if there's any more coming in the series because now David Thompson and Trevor Benjamin also have uh, a new series, uh, General Orders, Ooh. which is like this um, two-player worker placement, World War II kind of, a, a little more abstract feeling than the Undaunted games because um, I actually have uh, played it on TTS, but it, that's not out yet. I think it comes out at Essen this year, maybe, but I don't know. I think they are just like a really cool, uh, like dynamic designer duo like i love war chest also 
but yeah, that is Undaunted Battle of Britain. What else yeah, have you been playing? It's, oh, it's so real quick. It's oh, so yeah. cool how they're sticking to like a two player two player setup offering like very different games that kind of usually than what usually sits within the two player space. Yeah. Uh, which is really neat. Totally. I 100% agree. So the other game that I have listed here was actually something that I played at Lindsay's bachelorette party. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> we, we, we tried out uh, For Science, which everybody else in the group had already Ooh. played it before, but I had never played it. Uh, it was released in 2021 um, by Eric Roos. Um, by Gray Fox Games, and it plays up to from one to six players, and we had the full amount. We had all six players oh, cool. ready to go. So in Four Science, like the goal is that you're trying to create these different like cures and uh, vaccines that you're trying to make, but you're utilizing different like spaced like Tetris sized blocks that you're, oh, you're having wow. to put together in in a speed time. The game takes exactly. 30 minutes to play <laughs> um so awesome. like you Real you time. are like um you are you are trying to go ahead and like it's timed like you're yelling at other people kind of like um <laughs> have you played captain sonar i've never before? played captain Sonar. so it has like a sense of feeling of captain sonar okay. but everybody's on the same team um and in this you're like calling out to different people and it's like okay can i do this and then someone has to check your your what uh what type of like vaccine that you put together and it's like no that's built incorrectly oh, or you didn't wow. use the right block <laughs> and then there's different cards that other players can then be putting into the fray based on what they're trying to complete that actually changes what other blocks you're required to put within your vaccine and it's just like there's so many different ways in which you kind of have to accomplish these different building blocks and then if it's completely wrong, you have to like start over or redistribute <laughs> it. And then someone else is checking it. And everybody has these really interesting, unique abilities that lend based on the type of scientists you are that lend to what you're trying to build. Oh. So there's a lot of fun tension. Um, there's really cool stuff. Like, because you only get to really play one position. I only got to see one part of the gotcha. game. Um, but my other friend like had an entire other board on the <laughs> other side. And I don't know what he was doing. He was just yelling at this other stuff. It's like, no, this is okay. Or we need this vaccine or we need to complete this one. And it's just like a lot of fun. It's re I, I really love those kind of tactile dexterity style games that have lots of like really fun, big chunky pieces that you can go yeah. and do some interesting stuff with. And I love being able to solve those puzzles. So it's a great game. I think everybody should uh, at least try it out once and see if it's something that works for them. Again, that's four sides. Yeah. So I just like a month ago interviewed Eric Royce. Um, because, oh, nice. Yeah. For I did a cardboard creations episode on Spirit Island and he mentioned this game and I, I think it might be hard to get right now, but I think it might be coming back in print or something like that, if I recall. But yeah, it, yeah, sounds, it, it sounds really, really It seems like my, my friend had like the, I believe the deluxe like Kickstarter oh, edition nice. and had um, an entire other set of building blocks. Uh, so you could have extra pieces if you needed them, but they were all, it was also a hard mode. Because all of the building blocks in Ooh. that style were yeah. like the same color tone, oh, and in the no. original, it's all the same, all different color tones. So it's easier to pick out which pieces you gotcha. you need. And like as everybody's building, you can like get the right stuff in the speed that you need. But when you put in the other tone, <laughs> it's just like, oh god, is that even the right piece? No, I built the wrong one. <laughs> so so it's a really neat awesome. way to kind of like add another level 
of difficulty to the game just by changing up color. Yeah. Which is neat. And they, the pressure of the real time sounds yes. exciting too. Yes, uh, for sure. That's cool. Yeah, I like, uh, I've played the Climbers. I don't know if it's called the Climbers or Climbers before, which is like a block, you know, it has big colorful blocks. Um, Ooh, it's, it's, I haven't tried that one. Oh, it's really cool. Um, it's not real time. But you're trying to like get your climber to the top. So every turn you're like placing a block and then you can jump up. And there's some rules of like where you can jump up. And uh, yeah, I've only played it like two, maybe three times. But I I think it's really cool. And I love playing with those uh, big blocks. So yeah, you should check that one out too. Ah, definitely will. (laughs) So um, over the weekend, last weekend, I'm like, what day is it right now? Um, Last (laughs) weekend. I know how you feel. Yeah. Last weekend in LA, there was a game meetup called uh, SoCal Games Day. Ooh. And yeah, and it, it used to, I think pre-pandemic, it was like a monthly, I think they did it about once a month or once every three months or something like that. Mm. I, I, it might be random, but um, it's on a Saturday at like a church somewhere and it just in this room that they set up a bunch of tables and a bunch of people come and play board games and you bring board games and it's really uh chill so this was actually the first time they had it since the pandemic so um it was cool i think there were about like 75 people who came throughout the day but um my friend uh, mike nikoloff who sometimes is on game night you might know him from game night he brought a game called green team wins Mm-hmm. And it's a party game, and I had heard of it, and I, I usually play green in games, so I was already drawn to this game. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's a 2022 release uh, by Nathan Thornton, and it's uh, published by 25th Century Games, and you can play with 3 to 12 players. It is a party game, and you play 15 rounds, and each round you reveal a card that players are going to have to simultaneously answer. You have like a dry, You have your own dry erase board. You're going to write once everybody has done that, you reveal. And there are basically three different types of questions. Like one might, it could be a fill in the blank. It could be a this or that, or it could be like a multiple choice question. And everybody starts on the orange team. So you have this little board in front of you that says orange team, and it's a double-sided board. So sometimes you're hoping to be on the green team. So you would flip it over. So your goal is to be on the green team and kind of stay on the green team as long as you can. (laughs) But (laughs) to get on the green team, you basically, your answer has to be the most common answer. So think like family feud style. So um, if you do, like when everybody reveals, if your answer was the most common answer, you get to join the green team if you weren't already on the green team and you get a point. Now, if you were already on the green team and you are still on the green team, you get two points. So you're like rewarded by every time you stay on the green team, you're getting two points for guessing correctly. But again, if you don't guess correctly, you stay on the orange team. Or if you were on the green team, you flip back to the orange team and you don't get any points. So just to give you an example of some of the cards, like uh, we had one that was curly fries or waffle fries. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I picked curly fries for this and right. waffle fries ended up being more popular. And I was like, ah, I mean, Ridiculous. they're, they're both great. They're both <laughs> great. But, <laughs> um, and then there was like one, another, this or that was like, go out for breakfast or go out for dinner. And then, um, 
like some of the uh, examples of the multiple choice, there was one that was, what's the most beloved Starburst flavor, pink, <laughs> red, or yellow? <laughs> and Please don't tell me it was yellow. <laughs> no, but somebody did. I think one person put yellow. <laughs> and, and we were playing with, like, there were about eight or nine of us. So, like, we had a nice. big group. Um, and there was one that was, what's the hardest sounding yoga pose? Frog pose, grasshopper pose, or crow pose? Oh, jeez. <laughs> I think I think grasshopper pose was the one that won, and I picked that. And then, like, just to give you an example, like the fill in the blank. So one was like blank pepper, and then <laughs> so you could say black pepper, hot pepper, you know, green pepper. Um, I forget which one again won that one, but uh, and then another one was like book blank. So, like, you could do, Ooh. like, book shelf, book author, book, you know, I don't know, yeah. whatever. But, like, those are just some of the cards. And I think every game you play with five of each type of cards. So you're kind of, like, randomly making this mix of cards. I didn't, like, inspect the box uh, to see how many <laughs> cards came with it. But it was super fun, simple, you know. Uh, I found myself constantly thinking, like, hmm, do I say, like, what I'm really thinking or do I, like, or or what are well, other people going to think? Right, you know, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, like I've heard so, like I've seen this game on like so many lists of like the best games of 2022 mm. and stuff. So it's been one that I've wanted to check out, but I haven't had the opportunity to. So I didn't really know anything about it. So I'm so glad. Like it's this it's sounds fun. totally up my alley. I would it, enjoy just like analyzing everybody at the table and say, like, okay, <laughs> they're gonna choose this and yeah. they're gonna choose this. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly, that would exactly. Be so much fun. It was super fun. Like lots of laughs, and I think this one. Um, I guess apparently they were talking about it was supposed to get reprinted in April, but um, it's still not available. But hopefully, it will be soon. Oh, that's great! Uh, yeah, I I hope they're able to print a lot because uh, it seems like yeah. it'll be pretty popular for a long time. Totally. And that is Green Team Wins. So I have to give one more quick shout out mention to Amabel Holland's Dual Gauge, which I played recently. Oh, what's this one about? It is a root building stock market train game. It has it feels like (laughs) slightly like an 18xx light game. But um, Jonathan Cox from John Gets Games um, was my guest co-host on episode 15 and he was like super enthusiastic about this game and i had heard of it but i had never gotten around to trying it so after that episode like we scheduled a game together and we played online with a couple people at like 8 a.m. my time um on a saturday morning on screentop.gg which is like a website that has digital adaptations of games that i had never heard of um and i think he built the mod for it but five of us hopped on uh, Jonathan like crushed the teach, of course, and everybody was super nice. And the game was like really friendly. And it could be a game that's like kind of cutthroat, like eighteen XX. Right, right. Um, but everybody was really friendly and like openly discussing different like strategies and stuff on their turn because it was very like much a uh, like, hey, we're all learning this and just having fun together, which I really appreciated. But like that, that kind of like left me wanting more. And even before I played that game, I had ordered uh, the expansion maps from Holland Spiel's website. And then uh, my good friend Jennifer Schlickburn uh, sold me her copy of the base game. So last weekend at SoCal Games Day, 
I picked it up and because um, she was there also. And I played it for the first time in person and I taught it. And the teach, my teach was not like nearly as smooth as Jonathan's, but like, <laughs> hey, hey, we, we all survived. We all survived. Um, good, good, good. But, but it was a four player game where um, I ended up having, I started the game with two companies. So it's like, I don't know if you've ever played 18xx games or like any train games where you basically are running uh, different companies. Yeah. And yeah. okay. Yeah. It's, it's that kind of game. So I ended up starting the game with two companies. Everybody else had one. By like round two or three, somebody took over one of my companies from me. Oh. And then, and then my other company ended up tanking because like 18xx, <laughs> your trains can rust in this game. And I got into this bad situation where I couldn't buy any more trains because my stock value was like in the junk stock section. <laughs> And it was like, I said, hey, I'm just being a good teacher here and showing you what not to do. (laughs) Um, But that, again, like it stayed on my mind. And then uh, so I ended up playing it again last night and I was able to teach it much more smoothly. And I also played better. And I just like, I don't know, this game, like, you know, it just it's it's um, it stays on my mind lately. Like I keep wanting to play it. I want to explore other maps. and. yeah, so I'm really grateful that Jonathan kind of put it put it up on my radar so that I could like kind of get into it. Oh, that's and great. Uh, yeah, and it's it's one of these games where it's like really it's a system. So every map there are six different maps for it right now, and they all like change up the rules. So hmm. you learn the core system, and then it's like you have these wildly different experiences um, depending on which map you're playing and what people you're playing with and stuff like that. So well, anyway, sounds, yeah, it sounds like one that I need to add to my train games list because me and my friends have been like talking about wanting to do really badly a long train trip where we all just play train games the yes! entire time yes! on the train. That sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it would be so cool to actually pull off. So I have to have a very oh, nice list of good train games to take. So please that's document that if you do it. That's I'm sure awesome. people. I'm sure people have done it before. It has to have happened in the past. <laughs> Man, I think I want to do it now too. <laughs> yeah, it's it would that be so much like fun. A great idea. Like one of the places that we'd love to like start off is like in the Swiss Alps and like go through different oh, areas and gorgeous. That would be so cool. Awesome, awesome. So anyway, yeah, I just had to give a quick shout or a callback to Dual Gauge just because I, you know, I had to mention it because I have been like thinking about it and just like wanting to play it more and more ever since uh, episode fifteen. But hey, I think we should talk about some iconic box cover art now. What do you oh, think? Oh yeah, I'm super excited. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> let's do it. is obviously very subjective and like what looks kind of epic and awesome to one person could be completely different to other people very Um, much so yeah yeah so what like when you're thinking about like an iconic board game box cover like what are you kind of thinking of as judging that so for me the ones that i ended up choosing and looking at were ones that i have like throughout the course of my time in the industry, seeing either A, like they did something that was really unique that other people weren't doing, or B, I saw an influence trend. Other people started doing what they were doing Ah. after it came out. So it's just like, 
I, because I paid cool. so much attention, it's like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and start designing, like, we need this side of box art, or this is going to catch people's eyes. And also just like how the graphic design is also incorporated into yes. the art, because yeah. I think a lot of people just kind of pay attention. It's like, oh, that's super pretty. But are you paying attention? It's like, yes, but the the text that they chose yes. also matched up. The tones that they chose throughout the course of the cover matched up really well. Yeah. Or the iconography that they put together. And it's just like, this is me being a nerd <laughs> like about <laughs> like what people are choosing. So it's just like, this all flows together so well. This is so cool. I'm so glad you did that. Um, awesome. So it may not have necessarily been like, oh, that's my favorite just art piece. Right. But it's like there's so many other details that I noticed that after like e- examining it a little bit more that I was just like, that was brilliant. You did a great job. And cool. it just it tells the story of the game, too, yeah. which is also something that I really like really in my own personal like art direction uh, design and the things that I wanted to bring out of my games, and the other games that I helped bring to life is how is this telling the story of what you're mm. getting in the box. How is this bringing the world to the player's eye and capturing their imagination before they even turn it over and start reading the back? Yeah, well said, well said. And like, as you were, <laughs> you know, explaining that, I'm thinking about the games that I picked and yes to all of that. Yes to, <laughs> yes to all of that. But now I'm like really curious to know, like, you know, what games you picked. Awesome. So, yeah. Well, let's, let's jump into the first one. So, this one uh, has definitely, like, this game itself, like, overall has been just sitting on my mind since the first time I played it. But um, I also think it has a very clever and well-done um, box cover, which is Lost Ruins of Arnak. Oh. So this game, what they did is just absolutely gorgeous. Overall, like, it has a beautiful set of greenery. Um, the vines are wrapping around the entire experience, kind of like framing the entire image and the adventure you're about to dive into. But like what you'll notice is that they hid specific things in that framing as well. Like there's there's a uh, like a snake python that's like about to like attack one of the main characters in the front. There's also like a statuesque that's wrapped up in those vines. And as you go in and dive in deeper, like there's just so many little pieces of discovery that's just like, ooh, this world's a little different, a little off, a little, a little, that's maybe, so cool. maybe a little, a little changed up from what you expect a normal uh, dungeon delver to uh, be like. Because once I actually played this game, I was so intrigued by the the level of imagination and the world building that they brought to the table in the actual gameplay. And I think the cover does a fantastic job of being able to capture all of that together. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I've only played Lost Ruins of Arnak once, but yeah, like thinking about that cover, there is like, there is a lot of like, it's beautiful. Number one, mm-hmm. it's beautiful. Yes. Gorgeous, and gorgeous art, gorgeous artist. Character design is great. Good level of diversity as well, which is fantastic. Yeah, very important. I love, um, like I've never even paid attention because I don't own it, but like I, I've never paid attention to all the detail in it. You know, I'm looking at it right now, now. <laughs> um, but yeah, very cool. Very cool. Um, and do you know who the artist was for that or? 
the artist, and there's actually five artists on this project. Oh, wow. So uh, I don't quite know which one actually worked at the cover, or if they came together and worked at the cover. And sometimes uh, in board uh, game design, sometimes some people list a graphic designer as an artist instead of an actual graphic ah. designer as well. So I'm not I'm not sure if that's one, but all of these names are ones that I will completely butcher. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, there's different enunciations before each one but it's audre uh herdina uh juice uh, jerry cruz uh jacob pulitzer uh fran sec uh said and uh milan vavron so i apologize that i said all your names incorrectly <laughs> those are hard uh, names it yes. sounds very challenging <laughs> all very either french or german one of the two <laughs> Uh, um, or check or check <laughs> well yeah that probably makes more sense yeah. since the publisher is checks <laughs> <game edition. laughs> uh, um but they did a fantastic job truly bringing it together uh all of the different aspects of this game bringing it to life and like if you open the game box and go inside that what they did on the cover this is one of my biggest pet peeves too is when uh-huh. a cover is gorgeous but like you open the game and it's not <laughs> <laughs> like or things have changed right that entire team did a fantastic job of carrying through the the the, uh, the follow-through cool. for yeah. the game as well because it's gorgeous inside and the care the the everything that they did brought that entire world to life in a very cool way awesome lost ruins of arnak so the first game i'm gonna mention um which, uh, speaking of like the art kind of carrying through when you open the box and with the components and everything, yes, yes. Um, it, I'm going to mention Root, um, Root which is, is a 2018 release from Cole Worley and Leader Games. And the artist is Kyle Farron, who I've talked about um, on this podcast before. But like the cover for Root, you know, so you, this game is all about these asymmetric factions, these animal creatures of the woodland like fighting, <laughs> duking it out in the woodland. And the box cover, not only like, you know, Kyle's art is just like super special in my opinion, but it's this like this setting of outside, there's a big tree. The four factions are on the corners, you know, all the corners of the box. Mm-hmm. And in the center, like you were talking about like graphic design fitting in with the box cover art, but yes. it says root in bold in this like medieval, like folklore looking font. Um, that's just so bold with the way that it's set in the woodland. Um, and also with the text and the color choices they used. And to me, it also like root, it's just like a special, unique game. And I feel like that. All of that kind of ties together and makes it feel iconic to me. Where like mm-hmm. this is this is like a box cover that I would love to have framed in my house. And, you know, it's just very memorable and and just unique also. Yes. A root very much definitely changed the game, especially when it came to their wooden components mm. throughout the course of like uh, board gaming like they really brought forth like how can you bring together like that gorgeousness of what you're trying to do in the art but also in this really cute uh way within the components of the game i yeah. love the extra details that kyle put into 
the text and bringing in all of the different factions in the boxing yes. of uh, the of the lettering that he did in the roots, um, as well as like it also carries through with kind of boxing each of the characters. In oh the yeah, yeah, of those the box. boxes. Yes. Yep. So like it makes it makes it all kind of come together in a really interesting unique way because like even when you're kind of looking far away at this cover it seems like it's almost like they're boxed in their own little scenes Mm -hmm. but when you look closer it's like this is all one uh seamless image this all comes together right so it was very very smart very fantastic root is iconic when it comes to its art like people know that art love that art um when they see it um and there's been so many renditions and like fan uh made pieces of root that's been fantastic so it's definitely it's definitely something that has changed the industry as well and the fandom around it has been amazing yeah yeah i i totally agree and even like you're right like the boxes that are behind each of the letters the r-o-o-t having the art of the factions as you know with the different colors kind of featured like the red yellow orange and blue it's so subtle but like like when you look more detail you know more closely at everything it's like it's really really cool it's really really well done so Mm -hmm. i had to include root on my list what's your next game so my next game is mysterium and this one is one that i think does a fantastic job like carrying things throughout in the entire aspects of the box cover as well. Back to another long list of names that I will butcher when it comes to <laughs> art. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, it is I- Igor uh, Berklovakov, uh, Xavier Colette, um, Oleksandr... Alexander, interesting way to say that. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Nevskisi, <laughs> um, and Oleg uh, Sidorinko. Um, I'm not sure, again, which one worked on the cover. But what's really interesting about Mysterium is how, like, the blue and the tones of the, of the different shades that they were able to bring into this game that is very much about, like, the other, the other side, ghost, ghostly, trying to communicate mm. with ghosts. Um, they did such a fantastic job of like that logo is killer. Like yeah. the way that they were able to bring in those tones, that that ghostly glow, the ghostly like the light touches that they brought in everywhere. The way that they were able to kind of bring in that mist and like make that shine. And just make the overall feeling very, very cool. But the thing that really took this over the top for me, which is a a little detail that I don't think I've seen anybody do it better than this cover, Uh uh is the um, information on the front uh, left corner where they tell you the age and they have a little character that's a ghost holding a main character's thing. Oh. And they have the, the player count, which is two to seven, and a ghost sitting in between the two little little players and stuff like that. that it's just is like cool. it's just like an extra level of detail to the graphic yeah. design and the overall story that you're telling, and that you're like, ooh, you're stepping into something that is gonna be very ghostly, yes. very spooky. Yeah. It also play, like it also is going to be be a tale that you're just gonna be be uh, bringing through and it just carries throughout the entire the entire design of what was brought together for this game. So I really appreciate the amount of thought 
that went into that entire process. Yeah, this is such a good pick. And Mysterium was is was actually like my gateway game into the hobby because it was the the first game that I played where we were kind of like a little bit confused at how the rules worked because um, we had played Dixit and um, someone had suggested to my partner to get me this for my birthday. But we were like, ah, oh, we're not quite understanding this. Like maybe there's a video and that ended up leading me to like Will Wheaton's tabletop. And then I started just like discovering all these games on YouTube. <laughs> but yeah, so Mysterium is near and dear to my heart. And wow, you're you're totally right. Like I love the way the font is with the mist and everything. Mm-hmm. And and the subtle details of the age and uh, player count on the box too. Definitely like a lot of thought went into this. And yeah, it's gorgeous. Yeah. Totally agree. That's a good one. That's a good one. The next game that I picked um, is actually a game I still haven't played. Uh, Really? Yeah, I still haven't played. But uh, I didn't play this one either. (laughs) Okay. But it is certainly like like I feel like the cover is super iconic and it is the seventh continent. Came out in 2017, and it's designed by Ludovic Rowdy and Bruno Sauter, and it's published by Serious Pulp Games. It is a one to four player, like you can play it solo or cooperative. Um, choose your own adventure exploration board game, and you're you're going on this adventure into kind of the unknown. And so the box cover is has this black background and this like gold skull looking image. Mm -hmm. And it, it almost looks like it's like a pirate flag of some sort, but it's not just like a regular skull. It is like, they made a skull out of like different imagery. So wrapping around like the cheeks, there are like arms with hands. And then there's, there's an arrow for the nose that's like pointing up and then like going down, you could say like, maybe that's a sword or something. I don't know. <laughs> All I know is like <laughs> when I see this cover, it is bold. It makes me curious to know what's inside. And from like what I do know about the game, which I will play one day because I own it, um, you know, that whole exploration, like right. adventure, like I feel like this image just really captures that really nails it and it's something you just like you see it and i don't know you don't forget like you don't forget and i feel like it just like fits the game and it's just so memorable um have you played seventh continent i haven't played seventh continent but i have heard a lot of stuff about seventh continent so i have a very i think i have a very good understanding of how how the entire function Works And I, I completely agree with you that what this cover does is invoke the sense that it wants to for this game is like, you're going to discover things you're going to f- dive in deep into this because this world is mysterious, this world, it, it needs you to pay attention. Mm, yeah, right. Um, and it needs you to go ahead and dive a little deeper. 
right? Yes. And this this logo uh, definitely makes makes that feeling come together, right? And it's just like, right. ooh, like why why are those hands like that? What yeah. is what is what is what is going on? Why is it in the form of a skull? Are those are those trees? Are those teeth? Are those like what's going yeah. on with all these different pieces? Like, and why is this? Why is this like? like kind of crocodile monster thing yeah, in the top yeah. of the side in, in there. And it's <laughs> like, just like, what does it mean? Are you going to, what does that all invoke in the discovery of what you're going to try to find? So it's just like, I need to turn this around. I need to go ahead and look at this because, yeah, and that's, yeah. and, and that's the, that's the exact feeling you're going to get in the game. It's not only the discoverability, like I need to find out more. So you're looking into the game. You're also mm-hmm. going to, when you're playing, you need to find out more in yeah. order to discover it all. Yeah. And it's just like also this cover, which I think is different to all the ones we brought up so far, has no text on it. No text. It's just literally black background with this golden skull looking face that's kind of made up of, you know, different imagery. That's now yeah. you said you you said you own this one. Did they do um any sort of like embellishments? To the gold, is it reflective in any sort of way? I, or I think it loss? is. I think it nice. is. It's, it's definitely not just. Yeah, there's something that's like slightly shiny about it. Of course, it's nice. it's actually up on the top of my bookshelf right now. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, it, they did do something really like cool with it to make it pop even that's more. a really that's a really cool touch to add to these types of games as well that aren't too busy and aren't that have mm-hmm. s- uh, st- striking places to put that kind of level of embellishment on because it does help capture the eye and capture the light and really get people interested in it's like ooh, what's that symbol and makes it pop even more from that stark black background yeah and this is uh, this is one of th- one of these games that like I either want to play with my partner Matt or or I want to play solo, but I want to just have like a day to kind of get into it. Like I started at some point, I started opening it up and like reading the rules a bit cuz I bought this copy off my friend Richard and I just still haven't, you know, carved out time to kind of dig into it, but I'm so curious and yeah and just like looking at the box cover it just makes me even more curious to like mm-hmm. dig in and explore that world. Um, so that is the seventh continent. All right. On to my next game, uh, which is Abyss. Uh, this was oh. uh, released in 2014, uh, designed by Bruno Cathala and Charles uh, Chev- Chevalier. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Again, You're getting all ter- the tough ones. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, published by Bombax uh, and uh, two to four players. Uh, and the artist is Xavier Colette. Um, the artist really kicked it out of the park. This is another game that does not have its title on it because yeah. it's expecting its art to speak for itself. Mm. And I distinctly remember seeing this game for the first time at Gen Con. And they did this thing where they released five covers. So they released five different covers oh. for the same game because they put a different face on each one. So uh, this is this is like this is the reason I chose this one is because like number one, the art is gorgeous. If you see it, these faces are 
right up on you, but mass in the abyss, in this depth of water, these interesting mer creatures that are just like so well detailed and so fantastically done. Um, But also to not only just go ahead and release one and have that be the iconic piece to, to show that your art is so outstanding and uh, memorable that you're going to go ahead and have five different pieces. So players can collect which side do they want to be on, which, which, which abyss are you going to dive into? And they did such a beautiful job of carrying this out throughout the game um, because it truly makes you feel like you are discovering a new, interesting, strange world in the depths of the ocean. And it just staring back at you also has the level of like, intrigue that is also presented in the game because it's very much about vying for power Mm. um which is an interesting interesting aspect and to have someone just so directly stare at you from the depths of the ocean is just like it like captures everything so well so i just i love it and it's just i think it's so beautiful yeah this is a an awesome pick because I will tell you, I have known about Abyss. So I've been in the hobby since like middle of 2018 or so. And I have known about this game. I have never, I still haven't tried it. I've heard great things, but I'm always so curious about it. And like the minute I saw this cover, like I never forgot this game because Mm -hmm. of this, this cover. And I totally forgot about that. They did that with, you know, different faces Mm -hmm. on each of them but yeah this is another one where it's like very powerful it's such a statement to have no text on it and just this like amazing art that's like oh it's it's kind of creepy in some ways yeah yeah but it like it definitely like makes you curious to like know what's inside the box and you know you you don't forget this one you don't forget this one what's really cool about this game um is that Every single card carries this level of quality through Ooh. it, which is like, which, you know, box covers, you always put a little bit of extra work into them, right? Sure. Like that's, that's what you gotta, you gotta do. Those are, those are the money, the, the money <laughs> ticket. That's what people are going to be looking at. That's what's going to make people pick up the game and what people are going to purchase. But so sometimes you spend a little bit more on the art of the cover and do a little bit less in the smaller pieces because they're not going to necessarily come out to the same level quality. The amount of work that went into every character in this game is insane. The artist worked so hard and is incredibly talented on being able to bring all these pieces to life because every single one is like, could be blown up to be a massive poster Mm. and be just as detailed and just as beautiful. So cool. And it's again, now this makes me want to play Abyss. So (laughs) yes, I'm going to BGG spring next week. So maybe I'll, I'll, See if somebody can teach it to me. There you go. Um, <laughs> just make sure the pearls don't roll away because you actually have pearls as components as well. They give you a little. They give you a little bowl that they have to sit in so they don't roll. Oh, nice, nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll watch out for that. <laughs> so my next game is uh, one of my all-time favorite games, and I'm talking specifically about the first edition of Great Western Trail, which is a 2016 release designed by Alexander Pfister, published by Spiel, and it plays with two to four players. The artist is Andreas Reich. Reich. 
who also did Istanbul and Lorenzo Il Magnifico. But this game, which a lot of people, or this cover, which a lot of people absolutely hate, <laughs> I feel like you cannot argue that it's not iconic and memorable. It's so kind of weird. <laughs> like it, it has this like this like Western movie look, but it's like very dark gray, like lots of dark grays and blacks. And you have these three faces of a farmer, a cowboy, and an engineer, like super big, super big. And then below it, you have just some like Western scenery, a, you know, a cowboy on a horse, a train, and then like a teepee. And it's like, it's borderline creepy the way these, <laughs> these three men are looking at you. <laughs> like their eyes are kind of like realistic. But I think like you, like, it's the combination of what I think about the quality of the game and what it kind of brought to the table. Cause I still don't think there's anything that does uh, like what great Western trail does in terms of like, there are all these different paths to victory. It's so replayable. I love the, the rondelle and that you're, you have these neutral buildings that are placed on different locations, but you can also build your own buildings and you're trying, you have this deck building that goes along with it. It's just like such a unique game. And I think, um, this, uh, this first edition cover, you know, again, some people hate it. I actually like, I like it. I like it. Like I kind of <laughs> want to hang it in my house somewhere, but it's just like, it's so memorable to me just because because i think it's like maybe a little like weird and creepy <laughs> what oh, are your thoughts on this Isaac? oh kid <laughs> <laughs> i could not object more but this is where <laughs> this is where art is subjective right certain people will pull certain things out of each piece i am i almost considered <laughs> putting great western trail the new cover really? on this on this list which would have been funny which yes. would have been funny to say it because of how the dynamic between the yes, original they're, they're and the new one different. they're so different and so new and i actually have the new one because i was like I heard that game's good, but I can't do it. I can't do it because of that cover. And, and I, once they released the new one, I was like, yes, they made the right decision. They made it Give pretty. It to they me. made it pretty. <laughs> Give it to me. I will play this. <laughs> so I, I have like, so Great Western Trail is another one that's very near and dear to me because it was like the first heavy board game that I played mm. at the time. It's a good I, one. It's fantastic. Yeah. At the time, I was only playing like Splendor and like King of Tokyo. And I was at, I went to like my first game meetup and they had a spot at the table. So I just sat down and played and it just like resonated with me because I had never played something like this, like this complexity level, but I was like fascinated by the design. So I had to like buy it that night and I was like, I have to figure this thing out. So I think like part of the specialness is just like, how special the game is to me. And I just, I do think it is like just an amazing, awesome game. And so this cover being so weird and unique, like, <laughs> like it, it's creepy, it's creepy, but I think it's memorable and people, whether you love it or not, like you don't forget this, like these. No, you don't, you don't forget staring it. At you. <laughs> it will, it will be haunting my dreams. I almost, I almost think like uh, this, this it's almost like if we're meeting this man at different stages of his life <laughs> because they're all so similar and have a similar look in their face 
And yeah, their, their faces are so big and their eyes like their eyes look kind of real. They look kind of real. It just it was it, it it does have a Western vibe to it. Uh, but it's just like n- no other game cover I've ever seen. And like, I definitely won't say it's like the most beautiful thing or anything like that, but I think it, it makes it like a statement <laughs> and it's just like, it's, you, you don't forget it. Like, you know, people are going to be still talking about for years, this, this, cover of right. the original great western trail whether me, you love it or not <laughs> for me it kind of has that effect of like the original sonic that they released for the sonic movie and then, <laughs> the, the, and then when they fixed it and put it out you know what great marketing <laughs> it worked it gets people talking about it, it gets people yeah. Out there. <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah this is one like i know like most people share your opinion of and i i agree too like i think i think the new edition is definitely like um a better choice overall but like there's just something about this that has this like classic feel and it's like maybe because it's like you know one of my favorite games and it like had this really special moment in my gaming history and and so it just stuck you know yeah and that's (laughs) always going to that's always going to influence how people feel about certain pieces of art it's kind of like it's kind of like i feel i feel the same way a lot about music like that certain certain moments of music even if they're not like the best songs or the greatest songs there can be there can be moments in the way that those songs kind of capture a, a specific point in my life uh, and i think yes. art and uh, art and all different forms of art can capture how people feel at different points in their life and can you can you can kind of attach yourself to that feeling and that piece and it really means a lot more to you which is what i love about art and how much mm-hmm. it can mean to different people based yeah. on based on where they're at and what what kind of story it's telling for them yep yep no i i totally agree so that is great western trail the first edition <laughs> Weird three dudes looking at you cover. I, <laughs> but I, Isaac would have picked the new edition as, <laughs> as a little more iconic. I am I am very interested <laughs> in seeing the response to this very <laughs> <laughs> Oh, fantastic. What's your next game? All right, on to my next game. So uh, my next game is <laughs> Takaido. And this is one of those games... That I, when I was talking to you um, about things that really changed the game. So, mm. Takaido's artist was Xavier uh, Gwenefi Duran, and this art is very iconic because of the fact they mostly chose to go with a very white cover, right? Mm. And yes. in the center of it, they throw in so much beautiful detail of the little adventure that you're painting you're bringing through you're bringing to life you're kind of enjoying and seeing it all come through yeah Takaido is a game about you going on a little vacation and deciding about what things you're going to stop and see along the way so I think they did a very smart job of like saying you know your adventure is not finished yet and we're going to go ahead and start putting it in we're going to start mm, painting it in yeah. bringing it to life and there's so many beautiful things for you to see along the way and when i tell you that this game this game and this cover changed so much of what the industry kind of leveled up there's so you will notice the amount of white covers that came out 
after ah. this game, the amount of color and pop that came out after this game, because this game, people raved about the cover when it came out. They were so enthralled oh, with it. And cool. so it brought so many, it brought so much, I think, life and forced the industry to kind of say, all right, we got to move away from beige and gray. <laughs> like, let's, let's, let's start upping our game, doing things that are more inviting and really giving a sense of sereneness to what games could become. And I think Takedo is really like the turning point in like everybody vying for a lot of better art throughout the entire process of the industry. Mm. So I, I really, I really love what they did here. And I, I, I would be lying if I didn't say that this also influenced my original Ashes cover as well. Oh, so like bringing in together cool. all of the, all the way as well, because it's like, it's just, it, it's just done so well. And there's been so many other covers that have been influenced by it too. That's, that's awesome. Because yeah, you, you would know that better than me, like of, of how, or would have noticed that more than mm. me about how it influenced other ones. But like one of the things that uh, I think is pretty like iconic about this too is like Takedo is such a, like a chill game. Mm-hmm. And when you look at this cover uh, again with like all of this like whiteness with this this art in the center and even even the font of the the text, it's very serene feeling, mm-hmm. you know. But then there's like a lot of little detail that kind of paints the picture of what you're going to be doing in the game yeah, but it definitely captures the feel of the game yeah and it's it's also kind of chill in its simplicity like uh as well it's just yes. like look you're it's serene it's peaceful and that's the experience that you're going to get with this game as well yeah yeah Takedo. I haven't I haven't played this one in a while neither have I actually it's kind of one yeah. that I want to bring back to the table I think they released a new version, version or, or yeah, a, yeah. A, something new in the line that I still need to check out as well. Yeah, Takedo Takedo Duo maybe or something like that. Um, but that's cool. Good pick. Good pick. Yeah, yeah. So um, my next game is fairly more complex than Takedo <laughs> and a lot less chill. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> and and that is Twilight Imperium. Mm-hmm. And Twilight Imperium, I'm just going to say in in general like but I I own the 4th edition. I've only played the 4th edition. The original game came out in 1997. Wow. And the 4th edition came out in 2017. It's designed by Christian T. Peterson from Fantasy Flight Games. Uh plays with 3 to 6 players. Um, and I'll just shout out the artists for each edition. Uh, the first edition was Bill Hagee. The second edition, I guess, Christian T. Peterson did the art. And then third and fourth editions, it was Scott Schumberg. But uh, if you're not familiar with Twilight Imperium, it is this like big, epic, sci-fi, empire-building game where each player is playing as like one of 17 different factions and you're vying for galactic domination through military might, political maneuvering, and economic bargaining. It is a -a one-of-a-kind gaming experience that takes a long time to play. It is like, you know, I think my shortest game of TI was eight hours. Um, But every time I play it, it evokes so many different emotions Mm -hmm. in, like, in a way that no other board game has ever done. Like, there are just 
highs and lows and moments of tension, moments of laughter, like moment of moments of tears. Not really, but like, and maybe, maybe in some people's games, but, <laughs> but the box cover, first of all, this is a big game. So yes. it has a huge box. The third edition box is really crazy because it's this like really wide, weird shape. But on, we'll start with talking about like the fourth edition box. You know, it has number one, it has all these different like sci fi kind of action scenes where it's like capturing the art of a lot of the key factions. Um, always on every edition of the Twilight Imperium box, you have that these the space lion from uh, the Emirate of Hakan. Yes. Faction, like very prominently featured. There's this, you know, very proud, confident lion. It's, and then beyond that, it just has so much, like it has like different scenes of action. There's a big like planet kind of burning in the background. Um, It's just like, there's so much action at everywhere you look on this. And then the the logo, Twilight Imperium, is big and very pronounced and just like fits so well in the box cover. Um, and all of them, I think, I'm just like taking a peek. I mean, the, the first one was kind of um, a little silly looking, actually. Yeah, this is a trip. I haven't I hadn't seen <laughs> the original, and yeah. I, I I love being able to see this is amazing. Where where it kind of came from. Um, but yeah, to me, it's just like, this is again, another box cover, uh, for it's an epic game. And it's also like something that I would love like to have a mural of this on, on a wall. Like there's just, there's so much going on and it's like, it looks exciting. Um, it almost reminds me of like one of those like Star Wars posters where you see a little bit of everything and then they Mm -hmm. have like all the different main characters in there. But yeah, the, the colors, like the the different factions represented, like TI has its own like lore to it and everything. And I feel like everything is really captured so well in in the uh, box cover, especially for fourth edition. I agree with everything you said entirely. Like what I really appreciate about this game is that it knows what it is. It mm. knows what it, it it knows what it's trying to do and its entire it's written across the entire cover. <laughs> it's called it's epic. Yes. Epicness pronounced throughout the entire thing. And I love what you mentioned even about the 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 title carrying itself across the entirety of yeah. the top of it like Twilight Imperium. This is this is here. This is epic. This is fantastic. I I very much love how they elevated kind of like an old-ish font style and highlighting like like it's such a like if you go back to the original like you you can you see it there like that way of like um kind of just like highlighting the from the orange to the yellow is such an old school style of like (laughs) stuff but they really elevated it so much in the fourth edition and really brought that to like cleaned it up and made it a sense of uh, a sense of elegantness with the Mm -hmm. with the amount of like just bombastic of amazingness and epicness that they did and like having that planet 
almost burning in the in the background just bringing everything to life and the sun piercing through and still with of course the iconic cat (laughs) 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 like just just he is he is here to stay every edition you know just like all the way from this this very sad janky angry man in the beginning all the way to this epic royal beast you know and it's just beautifully done everything everything in the cover encapsulates what it's trying to say which is this is an epic epic space opera you are going Mm -hmm. to be discovering things you are going to be learning about different races and their goals and all of these different things and it's it's truly going to be a moment that you're going to remember and it's going to last right um and i I really appreciate what this game has the the amount of commitment that Fantasy Flight has put into this game over the, since its original release because of the amount of love and work that they have continued to no, we're going to refine it further. We're going to yeah, make it further. Yeah. And there are very few games that get that kind of love and attention, right? Um mm-hmm. and to be able to and be able to see like that all kind of come together in this what I believe is the, I've played both third and fourth, and f- fourth is amazing. It's I think it's perfection. It's a game that I can only get to the table like once every two or three years. But <laughs> yeah. my God, when I do, I do have a good time. And this cover truly encapsulates all of it. So it's fantastic. Yeah. It was almost uh, almost a choice that I almost had as well. Um, oh, cool. But it's but it's a, a fantastic fantastic choice. Yeah, thank you, thank you. I I love this game too. This is like. There are few games, and um, El Grande being one, which I mentioned on the last episode of the podcast, but like where I play it for the first time, and I'm like, this is one of my favorite board games. Like this is this is one I won't get rid of. I at least will play. I I try to play like twice a year because um, it does. It it takes a day, and some people are like, how how can you play a board game for a day? But I'm like, you know. This isn't a direct quote from me. I forget who I heard this from first who made me think of it like this. But like you go to Disneyland or Disney World and you spend a day with some friends or your family and you have this whole experience of this whole day. And like to me, like that's what playing Twilight Imperium is like you are having an experience. Like right. It's like it's like more than a board game. And it's yeah, it's just so epic and so unique. And there's so many fun like memories and stories that come out of every single time I play this game. Mm. So, um, but yeah, I think they just like, they crushed it with the, uh, the art on the box cover. And also there is like, uh, I forget what it's called, but there is a documentary that they put out. Right. I think right before the fourth edition or after the fourth edition came out, um, that kind of talks about the whole history of the game, which is really fascinating. Yeah, and how the artist truly like elevated uh, like his work from the original uh, from the I think like you said they only worked on the third edition, but elevated it to just another level. You can even see between those two editions just the amount of pop that he mm-hmm. was able to produce in the in the coloring. Like it just it really makes every distinct piece come out where you need it to and be obscured when it doesn't need to, but still have a sense of discoverability and give that sense of epicness. There's a lot of board games that try to capture the feeling of a movie poster, Uh, right? Um, And very few tend to pull it off in the right way because movies are trying to highlight actors 
um, high, highlight like the okay, this is a star, this kind of thing. And it's not necessarily always necessary to really layer people like that because it's not telling the story of the game. It's telling mm. um, it's it's you trying to recreate something that's doing something else, right? Like, right, right, uh, right. But Twilight Imperium does a fantastic job of giving you that feeling, like you had mentioned, of Star Wars because it's actually trying to give you that feeling. Right, right? Like right. You, it's actually capturing that feeling. And when you sit down and play it, you will get the experience of what you see on the box. Yeah. Yeah. So that is Twilight Imperium and specifically the fourth edition, but all of them really and the game. Uh, all right. We get one more game. One more game. One all more game, right. Here is my last game. And I feel like this one truly encapsulates all the things that I feel like I've learned from being an art director and understanding what a cover needs to do right and how it can really get grab people's attention. And this is King of Tokyo Dark Edition. Have you seen this Ooh. game? Have you played this game? I have not played this version of it, but I have I have seen it before. All right. So in King Good of Tokyo pick. Dark Edition, um, this is the, uh, the artist here is Paul um, Mayfion. Um, it looks like they also did King of Tokyo, Bunny Kingdom, and uh, Taikal. Um, and what they did on this piece is hard to even like explain. <laughs> seeing it on, like, seeing it just here on on the web, like yeah. th- you have to see this thing in person um, mm. because it's an all around the box experience, right? Cool. They they did such a fantastic job of being able to. They did the thing that I talked about in Mysterium. They worked in the iconography into the design of the game. They worked in all of the different like kind of visuals that I was talking about with Abyss, this epic beast in the center that's just staring at you with this intensity. But they also took that. It's completely black and white, um, but with these yellow accents, which I, I love the style of art just in general. So I'm a little bit of biased when people yeah. do a black and white with a pop of color. Um, yeah, but that's they, cool. they so- took that yellow, that yellow pop of color and also added a spot gloss to it. They took this black and white, um, uh, board and also added a sense of texture to it as well. Mm. So it's kind of soft to the touch and matted in its feel and reflection and how it captures the light. It is such a beautiful game box. Like it's they did. Now they I want to see it. No, yeah, you got to see it in person. Like it, like this does not capture how it works in person. I just feel like you nailed it from a product perspective. You absolutely nailed it. This is such an unnecessary thing to exist in the in the industry. Like there is no there is no reason that King of Tokyo Dark Edition needs to exist but i'm so <laughs> because it's just a re-implementation of the original game gotcha, gotcha. with this kind of sleek look to it and it just elevates the entire experience for me and this is where i feel like what they did changes the feeling that i get out of the game and i wow. I, I was talking talking to you earlier about um games that are perfect for specific holidays and things like that. Yeah, and this yeah. is like, as soon as I got it, it's like this going to my Halloween collection. Like this is yeah. just perfection. Like, um, and awesome. it's just so sleek and perfect. And I absolutely love what they did. And it's, it's one that I can say like, wouldn't change a thing. Like you knocked it out awesome. of the park. Perfection. So uh, again, like just so, so good. So, so I need to, I need to check this out. Like, yeah, I don't think I've ever 
seen it in person. Like I remember it coming out. I know the brothers Murph did a video for it where they they made it like black and white and they did oh, something. Oh, that's like, cool. Yeah, it was it was it was really cool. But I've actually yeah, I'm only just looking at again like the digital flat image of the cover and. It looks dope. So yeah. now I want to see the, and, the full and package. It's like completely hard to get. Like apparently it's uh, like up on eBay for like $130 now. And this wow. is King of Tokyo. It's a $30 yeah. game. <laughs> 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 like, so it's, it's crazy how much like this edition is like sought after right wow. now too, because it's just like, they did it. They did a fantastic job. just making it beautiful. Like, wow. So cool. So I'll just have to come over your house around Halloween and play your Of course, then. let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> King of Tokyo Dark Edition. Yeah, King of Tokyo was like one of the first games I was playing early on, like mm. after after uh, Mysterium, you know. And oh yeah, I loved it. I think I was like watching a lot of Dice Tower then, yeah. and I, I feel like they were talking about it, or it was a good gateway game or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's but. it's fantastic. It's a great gateway game. It's one of those it's one of those games that I definitely show to most people that are just learning about what what are board games, what are, what do they even mean? Um, and this is like you're, it's such a fun tactile game. You kind of understand it because it has some some things that are reminiscent of maybe games that you've played in your childhood have been introduced as a mass market game. Um, but what what's cool is that like they carried out this art throughout the entire process the dice themselves glow in the dark <gasps> which are wow. fantastic yes another beautiful That's edition awesome. yes like and all of the characters are like in this black and white stark highlighted by these amazing colors and it's just amazing so cool wow good pick i haven't thought about like king of tokyo in so long but i really <laughs> i really did enjoy it and that is I don't think I have my copy of like the original version anymore, but it, it is a really good one to kind of get introduced to newer gamers. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Uh, speaking of introducing to newer gamers, mm-hmm. uh, my my last game on my list is Wingspan, uh, which is a 2019 release from Elizabeth Hargrave and Stonemaier Games. Plays with one to five players, and I don't remember who contributed to the the cover art. But there are four artists that did art for base game of Wingspan. You know, there are all these cards with birds and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, Anna Maria Martinez, Yaramio, yeah. uh, Natalia Rojas, uh, Greg May, and Beth Sobel all uh, contributed art for Wingspan. Yeah, I think it would have been Anna Maria or Natalia because they were like some of the original like concept overall artists yeah. that brought brought wingspan in its specific style to life so it was that probably sound- one of them that sounds right and i i interviewed elizabeth hargrave back in the day and um i feel like we talked about that so i probably should have just like looked up the that, oh, no. that interview <laughs> to check but um all the art in the game is fantastic mm. but to me like wingspan just kind of like made a statement as a game you know it's like a massively successful and popular accessible game about birds. Mm-hmm. And the cover just like beautifully embodies the title of the game. You know, there is this blue and white watercolored feel background, which makes it look like a realistic blue sky with some clouds. And then there's this beautiful, bold, scissor-tailed flycatcher bird um, as the centerpiece, which has like these like peachish kind of salmon colors that pop on on the bird and the art is just like incredibly gorgeous 
combined with the wingspan, like the the logo, like the text is just like it's such an iconic cover like how could i not you know mention wingspan on here of course yeah i mean people any any person that sees that bird is going to think wingspan right (laughs) (laughs) right like it just is so perfectly encapsulates the entire experience of what they wanted for the game this peaceful serene but beautiful uh uh thinky thinky process they also even have the uh the the bird's kind of wing popping up over the um, logo, which is such, yeah. a, such a nice little touch. It's beautiful. They did a good job of also making the Stonemeyer logo and the Autonoma thing kind of like recede into the background with a, a darker color. So that way the bird could truly be like the main source feature, and piece yeah. and for, uh, uh, feature. Yes, of course. And like, yeah, the tones that they chose throughout were fantastic and did a, f- amazing job of bringing out the artist's unique style with this kind of like colored pencil style work that is very very right. intricate and tough like i saw some of the videos that they were put together of of this stuff and like they put a lot of work into wow. these pieces i i believe it and i also love how the bird's wings are like spread open because mm-hmm. the game is about wingspan the span of the you know the distance of the uh Wings is where the yeah. title came from. And so this bird is kind of like spread out. Um, yeah, it's just it's just like perfect for this game, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, and um, I think probably the hardest thing to do in this entire process was figuring out which bird to put on the cover. Right? Yeah. Like how do you how do you like which is the right bird to put on this cover and really represent the entire brand um and they i think they chose they knocked it out of the park they chose the absolute right one because it's just interesting enough that people probably hadn't seen this bird before right right um it wasn't familiar enough so people are going to be looking into it more it's also perfectly frames a piece which as a person who's done uh art direction on animal art with animals that have wingspans, <laughs> like it's hard sometimes to get everything into a square setup. Like we did all of our art pieces for Keystone North America in a square on square cards. So like uh, having having birds like be in certain framings and things like that when their wings are hard. out can be difficult. So like choosing the right piece and how huh. uh, worked was is is really smart of them as well. Yeah, and I mean this this bird, the scissor-tailed flycatcher, like to me this is like this is wingspan. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting that you mentioned like I wonder like how hard or easy it was for them to decide which one to put mm-hmm. on the cover. Mm-hmm. I mean, this one definitely kind of embodies wingspan. Right. But imagine if there was a different bird on there. Like that would be like the wingspan bird, right. you know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it it's really interesting. But yeah, this game is um is is really great um really great for getting new people into the hobby i love how i'm I'm trying to remember like like but i feel like this trend of nature themed games and more uh animals and hiking and outside like there are so many games that have come out since that are kind of you know that this i feel like set the tone for mm-hmm. a little bit. Very I mean, I'm, I'm so. not saying there weren't games before that, you know, but this was like a big, big release and it still is like doing so well and people love it and it's getting more people into the hobby, which is really amazing. 
And uh, I also love that it's a female designer, mm-hmm. well, Elizabeth. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> and uh, I love what they've continued doing with their expansions as well and how they've like slightly changed. Like even with the Asia Asia piece, they changed up the background a little bit to complement the birds' uh, colors That's and still cool. turned out so beautifully as well. Yeah, so that's Wingspan, but I mean, so we just mentioned a couple games. I mm-hmm, think we both mm-hmm. have a ton more. Of course, it was so I, hard to decide. It was so hard. <laughs> I'll just give like a couple quick shout outs, and then if you have a couple quick yeah, shout outs of, of yeah, other yeah. games. Um, so another one I was thinking is pretty iconic is Twilight Struggle, mm. Scythe, and uh, Feudum. Feudum. Not, you know, not many people know Feudum, but when you see the box cover of Feudum. Ooh, uh, I'll have to check that out. Oh, yes. Please, please put that on your list to check out. It's definitely not a game for everybody. <laughs> I I really love it. And the art and the cover. Again, oh, it's one of those... I remember this art now. Now I'm looking at it. Yes, yes. Very <laughs> you know iconic. what I mean there? Yes. <laughs> what about you? What other ones were you considering? Some definitely some honorable mentions. I had Scythe on my list as well. Like, yeah. I mean, it, it 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 was such a big fervor when that cover came out. People were mm. like, "What is this game? And what's going on?" And really did a fantastic job of bringing things to life. Uh, Sleeping Gods. I feel like not mentioning Ryan, Lo- Ryan Lockett's work uh, uh, in some <laughs> way, a way yeah. in in this uh, uh, discussion is 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 sad because like he just he works so hard and everything that he puts out there but with sleeping gods i think he did a fantastic job of really capturing the tone of what that game would be mm. calico also like oh yeah beth, yeah. Uh, beth did an ama- amazing job on that cover and it's just like oh again it's yes. one of those things like yes. wingspan like you start seeing a trend of also things yes. trying to capture that feeling as well love it High Society. Have you seen the cover of High Society? Ooh, the newest version? Yes, I believe so. Yes. It's I have not played the game, but my god, is it gorgeous. Let's <laughs> see. Yeah. Fantastic the, job. Is it the it's like a little dark green box? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I have it. Oh yeah. That yeah, is just a stunning awesome. a stunning black woman in like Victorian wear and flowers in her hair. Yes. And it's just gorgeous like so uh, well done so well done yeah so so very very well done and then um of course photosynthesis everdale (laughs) those two are great um and seven wonders duel actually did a fantastic job with its cover and their framing Uh. and stuff like that but i could go on and on about covers that i've gushed over (laughs) (laughs) but we'll stop there yeah i i hear you i hear you we might need to do a repeat later down the line (laughs) talk about some other games but yeah, Isaac, it, it has been like a blast talking to you. And Same this here. is it's also just great hearing you talk about art because you're definitely like a little deeper in the world, you know, with all your like game design and publishing experience that you have, you know, you're coming at it from a different angle than me. And even in our conversation, I started like looking at some of these covers differently and like noticing things I hadn't even noticed before, which is like <laughs> really cool and it's it definitely makes me want to like start paying more attention um to different things like that the subtle art behind the letters of root like little things like that mm-hmm. that artists are expressing that maybe are just so subtle that people don't notice like it right. makes me want to like look deeper at everything 
now yeah, I mean, people, um, going pe- forward. People do an amazing job of putting so much work into these projects that sometimes does go unnoticed. But I mean, I give all the props to the artists and the graphic designers out there that really do a fantastic job of making these covers and games really come to life and capture people's attention and really bring these worlds worlds to a new a new new wonderful level of like just yes. high quality and i've just loved seeing the industry since i've entered and the course it's taken of the level of improvement that it pays attention to art and the level of investment that they're able to go ahead and do that we need to invest more into it <laughs> pay your artists and graphic des- <laughs> pay pay your artists and graphic designers well everybody um they do a lot of fantastic work and your art directors you know but we're we're, we're the last in the pedestal <laughs> like, oh, don't worry. but uh the artists and the graphic designers are, are really doing amazing jobs and uh i really always want to give them fantastic props because they work so hard awesome yeah, well, thank you again for joining me today. And, like, I look forward to bumping into you at some of these conventions. This of summer. course, yes. Let's make sure to play <laughs> some games. For sure, for sure. <laughs> You've been listening to the Board Game Geek podcast, produced and edited by Candace Harris. Special thanks to Matt Fonda for editing and mixing our music. Be sure to visit us on the web at BoardGameGeek.com. You can also find us on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and Twitch under BoardGameGeek. You can reach us by email at podcast at BoardGameGeek.com. Thanks for listening, and happy gaming!